Welcome to The Loop, where we untangle today's business issues by throwing real-life scenarios at RSM experts to deliver practical advice on how middle market companies tackle current business issues. In this episode, we delve into the complex world of GDPR, that's General Data Protection Regulation, which has changed the way in which data is collected, stored and used. It may seem like a minefield, but luckily I'm joined by RSM's Sheila Pancholi and Steve Snaith, who are both IT risk experts. So talk to me about yourself. Tell me a little bit about yourself. So I'm Sheila Pancholi. I'm a technology risk assurance partner at RSM. Um, Quite often people ask, what does that mean? It's a grand title. Um, Basically, we help our clients deal with technology-related risks. And as you can imagine, in today's day and age, that could be a a whole host of things. Um, In particular, I find we're spending a lot of time talking to clients about how to deal with challenges around cybersecurity and data breaches. So extremely topical from a GDPR perspective. So you're very qualified for the discussion that's coming up on GDPR. I'd never use the word qualified. (laughs) (laughs) And Steve, how qualified are you? Uh, extremely qualified, John. Thanks for asking. Thanks for referring to as experts as well. Um, so my background, partner within um, RSM Risk Assurance. I've been involved in cyber and data risk um, for around 20 years in that uh, exciting world. Um, so my background, I worked with many organisations to help them um, identify, manage um, and develop uh, risk management frameworks uh, regarding cyber and data. Now, we're here to unlock practical advice for middle market companies on core business issues that could be impacting performance and operations right now. And we'll do this by throwing real life examples at you. What we're looking for from you is some key guidance on how to deal with these different scenarios. So first off, before we even get there, do you accept the challenge? Yes, John. We do accept the challenge. I'm very pleased about that. So first challenge is... Picture the scene, Sheila, Steve, you're the data protection officer and uh, one of your HR team members has pressed send on an email to a large database of external contacts and attaches a spreadsheet that contains core employee data, including personal and banking information by accident. Of course, this is just our scenario, but it has happened in real life. Realising the mistake, the employee recalls the email and resends with the right spreadsheet. First off, you are praised of all this information. What do you do? What do you think? Interesting situation. I think um, not uncommon, I think, in many organisations. So there's a number of factors there. Clearly, um, this is an issue where the email has been sent. Um, Okay, it has been recalled, but there's no guarantee that that recall has actually stopped the subsequent information being transmitted completely to, to the other side of the kind of the end point. And if we've really identified that that data has been transmitted, then from an instant response um, perspective, there's the obligation to uh, notify the ICO within 72 hours that this issue, that issue has occurred. And also then that links into kind of the internal process in terms of what needs to, to be done next. And certainly I think from Sheer and I's perspective, um, you know, we work with many organizations and, and these things happen. And I think it's how you respond as effective as you can to try and kind of minimize the kind of consequential potential loss um, that is a result of that occurrence in the first place. I totally agree with you, Steve. Um, and, and you're right. You know, it's, it's, it's a very common thing that we see. It happens a lot um, in many organizations. And actually what's interesting is, you know, if we take a step back, there's lots of ways to safeguard 
this issue happening actually now, particularly from a technical perspective, isn't there, Steve, just, you know, in terms of how you can prevent people accidentally sending things to wrong email addresses, in particular when it comes to certain size and, you know, types of attachments as well. Yeah, absolutely. So there's um, a solution called Endpoint Security. Um, so, for example, what that does is it um, monitors the information that is outflowing from the organization. And you can configure it to identify if your confidential data streams are about to be transmitted. So it can tell you then if you're about to send banking details Absolutely. and ask you, Absolutely. are you sure you want to do this? Absolutely. Exactly. So it can bring up, um, it will bring up a screen saying, you know, essentially this is the information that is about to be sent. Are you happy that this will be sent? Uh, it can bring up the kind of policy to say in terms of you know the data privacy policy. So it provides another level of control designed to prevent information being sent out the organization when it be, shouldn't be sent out. Um, but obviously, you know, it could be valid reasons for that information to be sent out in the first place. So you, what you don't want is almost to over-control a situation to prevent valid information from leaving the organization because obviously that could have an adverse impact in terms of overall business efficiency. So it is a solution. Not Many organizations don't have it. Clearly, there's a cost to it. There's an internal investment in terms of not just from a financial cost perspective, but an internal investment in terms of people's time to configure the solution in the right way and, and just check that it works correctly within the organization. So there are you know, solutions out there designed purely to try and stop this occurrence happening in real life. And there are some very practical and, and you know, far more cost-effective solutions that we advise our clients about all the time as well, aren't there, Steve? You know, things like training, for example, you know, yeah. making sure that people have a level of awareness so they're thinking about, actually, what am I sending? You know, does it contain sensitive, confidential information? Have I checked that it's going to the right person rather than just pressing that send button? Does scale come into this? If you accidentally send maybe just a handful of personal details are you still required to inform the 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 information commissioner's office or 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 is it a question of the number of, uh, of of people's details that have been shared. It's not necessarily about numbers. You know, there's no specified number of records within the GDPR, John. But what the ICO does ask you to do is to undertake an investigation very quickly to think about the level of risk that has been posed as a result of this action and then to make a decision on the back of that. So, you know, if it's five records, you know, you may decide actually the level of risk being posed is very low. You know, we're not going to inform the ICO. If it's a larger number, then, you know, you may think differently. It could be five records, but it could contain very sensitive personal data. And in that situation, you may still want to inform the ICO because again, it's good governance. Um, the other thing we've got to remember as well is not just about the regulator. You know, if you accidentally send personal data belonging to individuals to the wrong place. Actually, there is a requirement under the GDPR for you to also make those individuals aware that their data may have been breached. So there's, there's an overall recommendation here is making sure that you know, there are good, tried and tested, robust instant response plans in place that capture and allow organizations to respond effectively to a data loss issue. So what we're saying here in summary is it's about the process you have in place immediately after an event like this happens, recognizing, realizing what's happened, and then following through with the ICO if you need to. Yeah, yeah absolutely. that's it. Okay, so that's challenge one. Let's move on to challenge two. Okay, second challenge. 
What about an external threat like a ransomware attack? Uh, you're now the head of IT and a hacker breaches your business IT system and infects it with a malicious software virus which threatens to publish the victim's data or perpetually blocks access to it unless a ransom is paid. Again, this is the sort of story that we've heard about uh, in the media. How might you go about dealing with a breach which is essentially out of your control? Sheila, what do you think? Um, I mean, the first thing we always say, you know, asked whether it's a, a ransomware or phishing or whaling is, you know, do not pay the ransom. You know, that's the first thing, because that does not guarantee that you're going to get your data back again or that your systems are going to be up and running again. You know, the main thing is to be able to deal with the incident really well. So communication, really important, making sure that people in the organization know what's happened, know what to do next, know how to deal with the incident. I mean, you know, Steve talked about incident management. Again, this is a form of attack, which you know will we'll expect you to then invoke your incident management plan and, and everybody know what to do in terms of how to deal with yeah. Um, again, it goes back to the theme of, of the first point in terms of responding effectively and efficiently um, to that type of event. And if you kind of look at the kind of root causes as well to kind of expand the conversation a little bit more, you know, what could lead to a ransomware attack? Um, currently today and for quite quite some time from a cyber and data risk perspective, the key target are, are people and individuals. So you know, I'm sure we've all... Read about or quite often received kind of emails which um, aren't legitimately emails and the email phishing attacks, and you click on whatever the attachment is, and instead of winning a million pounds, you're releasing a malicious piece of kind of nasty code which gets in the IT environment, what leads to a potential you know, ransomware attack where systems are lost, and then there's a kind of subsequent phone call. Uh, but saying, aren't most businesses these days uh, protected? more effectively have firewalls that are designed to to stop this kind of software the, the, getting into it there are i mean it, you know, the, the, obviously cyber security is, is, is a key area and there's, a, there's many different controls what are designed from a you know it, physical infrastructure perspective and a kind of software perspective designed to stop successful cyber attacks i think one of the challenges is if you think about um you know antivirus controls so they they're designed to to stop known vulnerabilities from impacting your systems but there's new the, the key challenge is that there's new vulnerabilities and new you know malicious piece of code and viruses and and um, such as developed every day you know thousands of these new piece of code um and antivirus software is designed to spot the known signatures of each individual piece of code uh, and this is why antivirus software is updated on a periodic basis but if something new has happened within the first hour the chance are your antivirus configurations haven't been updated to detect it. And this is how these malicious piece of codes can impact an organization's environment. So cyber and data security from a technical perspective is always in many ways one step behind the perpetrators and the attackers. Um, and that's you know when we, we talk and we read about um, organizations updating their systems, the latest security updates and updating their kind of antivirus software it's all about trying to keep up with the latest vulnerabilities that's in the environment so it's all it's a constant challenge um and it's very difficult to get on top on because in the world the world wide web there's there's attacks and potential issues coming from so many different locations and businesses are being tested all of the time their it infrastructure being tested 
buy these pieces of malicious software that you talk about is ultimately the responsibility with those businesses, though, that they have to be strong enough to withstand attack. And if they're not, well, not only are they potentially falling foul to those attacks, but also to the wrath and potentially fines that accompany that from the ICO. Sheila? I, I think absolutely the business has a responsibility to make sure they have a strong IT control environment in place. Yeah, most definitely. You know, it doesn't matter what kind of business you're doing, whether your data is commercially sensitive or whether you've got personal data, at the end of the day, you have a responsibility to safeguard that data. And, and yeah, I, you know, the, the senior executives should see cyber as a significant risk and should be responsible for making sure that it's managed properly throughout the organization. I know quite often, you know, that there's a lot of talk about investment and trying to keep up with the cost of IT. You know, Steve's talked about the fact that, um, you know, the cyber criminals are always going to be 10 steps ahead of any security that you implement. And unfortunately, that's just the way it is. But actually, the good news is the cost of technology has reduced significantly over the last 10 years. So actually, it's not as expensive as it used to be. It's more really about a mindset and wanting to have a strong IT control environment in place. Now, in our scenario, there has been a, a data breach is how you as the, the head of IT are dealing with it. Does it ultimately boil down to the, the same as the internal threat that is uh, putting in place the correct processes and referring this to the ICO, Sheila? Um, in some respects, yes. I mean, you know, you, you do need to make sure that obviously, um, given the nature of the breach and, you know, if it includes personal data and, and you've been through that investigation, um, clearly within that 72 hour timeline, you may need to inform the ICO. As I've said, you might need to inform the individuals themselves. Depending on which kind of organization you work in, you might need to inform another regulatory body too. You know, there are lots of regulators out there who now specify that if you are subject to a cyber attack and a data breach, then you need to inform them too. So, you know. Well, this is a, a minefield in itself, isn't it? So it is. The ICO, possibly you're saying what, the, the FCA, financial regulator, yeah, the FCA, it could be, the the FCA, it could be indeed. Yeah. Yep. They, they have an expectation too. And, and yeah, so, you know, it may be more than one. It, it could be several regulators that you've got to inform. Steve? Yeah, absolutely. I think that the, the, the role and, and the wider spectrum of regulation relating to IT is, is increased significantly um, over the years. So there's many, um, and we talk about, you know, obviously GDPR and kind of data risks, but data risk and data, data management forms an intrinsic part of many different piece of regulation, whether it be financial services, kind of wider corporate environments, um, sort of public sector type environments. Um, you know, so for example, you know, the, the government introduced a kind of cyber essential schemes uh, a number of years ago, which is a, a set of kind of control objectives and standards that organizations should uh, try and um, have in place um, to kind of minimize the risk of kind of cy cyber issues occurring. Um, a lot of that's kind of linked to kind of data as well. So there's there's many regulatory standards out there now where they're kind of asking the same thing from different directions. You know, have you got the right level of controls in place? You know, have you have you got the right policies from an IT perspective? Um, have you got processes to update your IT systems, the latest security updates, for example? And all those things kind of correlate quite nicely with data risk and minimizing a potential data loss. So 
we've looked at two potential threats there, the internal and the external. Uh, the final challenge that I'd like to put to you both uh, relates to how both of these stories might follow on. So following either incident, the data breach is now in the public domain, the dreaded public domain. It's out there in the newspapers. It's in the public knowledge. And that leads to an influx of requests from worried consumers asking for a copy of the data that you have on them. What's the process in this situation? It's out there in the public domain now. How do you deal with that? Sheila? I think this is where, you know, you go back to the real core principles of GDPR, which is about having a process in place to deal with subject access requests. You know, you might get those even outside of a data breach. Um, but clearly in the event of a data breach, you may find that you're, you're flooded with them. And, you know, at the end of the day, there needs to be somebody in the organization who's responsible for data governance and who's going to take control of making sure that process is at least channeled in the right way. Um, you know, depending on the volume of these requests that you getting, you might need to seek external support and bring in some external specialists. It could be a law firm, it could be other specialists to help you deal with the sort of administrative side of it. The main thing is that you have a process and you formally record and document everything because quite frankly, you know, following that kind of a request, an individual could then also lodge a complaint to say you've not dealt with it properly. Um, you know, the ICO may come in and do their own independent investigation. One of the other regulators could come in and do their own investigation. And we've seen, you know, lots of you know, examples of this happening in, in many cases where there's been large scale data breach. So yeah, there's a, a lot of things that need to be thought through. But if you've followed the requirements of GDPR to the rule, then you should already have this in place and tested. Steve. I think my esteemed colleague has um, uh, rather summarised it well. Um, just probably one point to add from me is um, you know, the concept of subject access requests isn't a new concept. So within the Freedom of Information Act, you know, subject access requests were, were always there. So within GDPR and the kind of current UK Data Protection Act, it's not um, a new requirement that the, the caveats have changed and the criteria has changed in terms of how I respond to that. But as Sheila says, you know, I think the challenge is if given this scenario, it's the volume to do, you know, the volume to, to have the resource to kind of manage quite high volume of p potential requests, making sure that um, we were only providing the right information because I think there's also an intrinsic data risk. So we could provide more information than what we should do, which could lead to another potential data issue. double jeopardy. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so again, it goes back to, um, you know, staff awareness, having a good procedure. So people know how to respond to event and what information they should be providing, what information they definitely shouldn't be providing. Final couple of thoughts from you both. Um, I'm interested in a checklist. I'd like a, a, a couple of points from you both on, on what businesses and individuals need to think about when it comes to GDPR. If you had two top tips to share with your clients, with a friend, with somebody down the pub, what would you say when it comes to GDPR? Steve first. Well, I'm pleased you use the word checklist, John, because as you know, Sheila and I are and we love, we love checklists. <laughs> um, we'll keep it to two each on this occasion. Then. Okay. <laughs> First one for me is um, certainly we've seen lots of great work over the last few years with organisations really understanding in more detail and mapping out where the confidential in-scope data is, where, the, where that information comes from, where it sits within the organisation and where that information is being sent out, where that information is being sent to and what's the corresponding controls for that. Um, I think the key is that that needs to be kind of a live process. So I think it can give organizations a false sense of assurance if they see that as a one-off process and then kind of leave it there. As we all know, organizations change. 
a new data flow has come on board, new IT systems implemented. So there needs to be a process to kind of manage that element of change and keep the the understanding of, of data um, up to date within organizations. And clearly then that correlates with the corresponding control environment that organizations need to make sure it is in place to kind of manage their, their data risks and, and also clearly make ensure that they make the most um, efficient use and maximize the opportunities of, of really good, robust data management. Okay, so he's keeping up to date. Sheila? You know, one of the easiest practices that I talk to our clients about is really thinking about, well, do we need to keep this data? Only keep what you need and actually only keep what you have a legal requirement to keep or you have consent to keep. So, you know, keeping hundreds of years worth of records and, you know, keeping archive data that one, you don't have a requirement to and two, you might not have consent or even a legal basis to. In effect, that's increasing your risk. So when you are subject to a data breach, and I say when, because it's highly likely most organisations will be, the less data that you have, you're basically reducing that risk of a financial penalty and also other things that we've talked about, such as the reputation damage. So good data housekeeping as well. Absolutely. Steve? A final point for me, just um, following from Sheila's point on the likelihood of a data loss. If I think back to probably about five years ago when we, we worked um, within kind of data risk management, the onus then was much more on data loss prevention so trying to make sure that the right controls and pros in place to, to stop something happening. I think today it's clear that is still key, but also instant response is, is, is massively important. So if there is a, any potential data loss issue, it's really important that organizations have the right internal processes to, to identify that potential data issue and have the right steps and processes and checklists in place to make sure the organization responds to that data loss in the most efficient manner, has the right reporting mechanisms. Um, there was a new uh, data requirement that any um, data loss needs to report within 72 hours to the Information Commissioner's Office. 72 hours. 72 so hours. That's your deadline. That's the deadline. And it's wrong. a challenging deadline at times. Um, so it's really important that organisations have the right robust internal processes to meet those uh, incident response challenges and the overall kind of regularity requirements as well. Education, education, education. I don't think we can go away from that one. You know, let's set the tone at the top, make sure the senior executives in the organisation take responsibility for data privacy. But then it's not just about educating our senior executives in, in terms of what does that mean. It's also about educating the entire workforce, but doing that in such a way that they remain up to date and they don't forget what their core responsibilities are and what the principles of the organisation are as well. So training at induction, refresher training, annual training, just making sure that, you know, and also when things change, GDPR is still a very new regulation. There will be more clarity over certain aspects of GDPR because of its complexity. And, you know, it is a little bit open to interpretation, but what we're now seeing is in particular the data protection authorities such as the ICO providing clarity over, well, how do we go about demonstrating compliance with certain principles and just making sure that, again, the entire workforce is aware of that clarity? It's a fascinating subject and, and a very serious one as well. Uh, it's been a pleasure speaking to you both on it. Sheila, Steve, thank you very much indeed. Pleasure. Thank you, John. It's been a pleasure. And if you want to know more about GDPR, please visit www.rsmuk.com forward slash GDPR. And of course, we're very interested in your views, so please do rate us and leave a review. And to keep in the loop, please subscribe to The Loop and listen to our next podcast, where we'll untangle today's business issues. Music.